when the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine asks you to participate in a project, you don't say no. So when Jason Pfeiffer reached out to me a year ago to ask if I could be part of a project, I'm like, yes, anything I could do to help. I thought it was going to be for other reasons, but it was still an awesome experience. And what he did was he had come up with a podcast, one of his multiple podcasts. Uh, this one's called the Hush Money Podcast with him and Nicole Lapin. And basically, I was essentially getting made fun of for leeching off my in-laws for a few months before I figured out what my business was going to be. Fast forward, my business is crushing. I'm, I'm loving it. I have a podcast, YouTube channel, LinkedIn, clients, business. I mean, it's all going so well. But that led me to just learn a little bit more about him because his curiosity piqued my curiosity. So I began to follow him, of course, and just looked at the fact that it is incredibly ironic that he interviews entrepreneurs and he writes for Entrepreneur Magazine and he's not one himself, but he lives like one. He's juggling multiple things. I would say he has quote unquote side hustle after side hustle after side hustle, including public speaking, you know, keynotes, writing, video content, podcast, blogging, website, you know, all of it. So I wanted to talk to him. It's been a while. Let's chat. There had to be lessons that he can share from his experience and from the experiences he's pulled uh, from some of the people he's interviewed. So that's what we're going to get into. But first, this is sponsored by Rich Cardona Media, where we film, edit, and distribute your content. And look, I'm not going to sell and do all this weird stuff. All you need to know is this. If you want your value to be realized, you need to be visible. So that's why we take care of it for you because you don't have the time and you need to focus on running your business. But people need to know who you are. And that's where we come in. Enjoy the episode. Talk to you soon. Okay, Jason. Awesome. I, I'm going to do my little intro before this, but first, how are you? How is everything going amidst all this nonsense? Oh, thanks. Things are as good as they can be, I would say. I, I, I have plenty of complaints, but I should not air them because I know I have it a lot better than most. Yes. Well, no problem. I'm glad like things are good here as well. So I wanted to take this opportunity. I've been trying to ping you for a while, a while ago. Uh, you had me on the Hush Money podcast and that was, uh, that was pretty funny because yeah. uh, I did not expect that. And I was like, all right, so not only that, but it's your third. You always have a podcast going. You have mm -hmm. your editor in chief, you have video content going, you're tweeting, you're writing. So that is my first question. I was thinking about everything before this and I'm like, if you are writing for entrepreneur and you write all the time, what lessons can you share about trying to do everything all the time because you are clearly doing so much? Yeah, it's, I mean, I would say that I don't feel like I'm doing it all as well as I could be. Um, you know, I feel like my output on certain things could be a lot better if I wasn't juggling so many things. And, uh, and, and I have to get better about outsourcing some of the things that I do because I maintain too much control of it myself. But I would say that the biggest thing that anybody can do if they're juggling a lot of things, if they want to be doing a lot of things is to, I'm just going to rip off this line that yeah. Danny Garcia, who's uh, Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's business partner, told me when I interviewed them for the magazine, she said, we're not attached to process, we're only attached to outcome. And uh, that's, uh, that to me is the key. That's what I do. I'm constantly changing the process. I'm experimenting. Do I need this? Do I need that? What if I did this differently? What if I thought about this differently? And, uh, and just trying to get to the greatest outcome, which to me is having the most impact 
um, and creating space for me to continue to grow at the same time. Well, you use a lot of different mediums. So, you know, if you're, if you're, if you are focused on the outcome and not necessarily the process per se, uh, you, I'm, I'm assuming you feel like your biggest outcomes can be reached via writing. Is that true? Or do you have kind of like, you wish it was video and you wish you were giving more keynotes all the time. Uh, where do you think you have your biggest outcomes? Well, it's funny because you can't really measure outcome in any one particular way. You know, there is financial outcome. There's outcome of, of wide reach. There's outcome of, of small reach, but greater impact. I mean, yeah. when, I, when I'm in front of, if I, if I give a keynote uh, and it's halfway across the country, you know, I've basically devoted a day to two days to doing this because I got to fly out and I'm doing work the whole time. And actually I find that I'm most productive like on an airplane. Yeah. This is pre-coronavirus, but, um, but, um, but, you know, then I get on stage and I'm talking to, you know, depending on the event, anywhere between 50 and 500 people or thousands of people. And um, that is a small number of people compared to the number of people who are going to read something that I wrote in the magazine. Mm-hmm. But I know that I have their undivided attention for this period of time. I think that I'm more memorable as an entity to them than if they read a story. You know, if they read my story about Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Danny Garcia, it was 4,000 words. It took them probably the same amount of time to get through half an hour. But it's not an experience. It's just reading a story. And so I reached a lot of people, but my, you know, my expectation is that they'll take maybe one memory away from it. Whereas my talk, I think that they'll take a little more away from it and they can come up to me afterwards and talk. So I, I don't have any one particular outcome. To me, the outcome is this kind of broad abstract thing, which is, am I having an impact on people? Am I helping to change the way people think? Now you have, like I mentioned, the podcast, you, you write, you speak, you have video, your Instagram's awesome, you tweet. I mean, there's all Thanks. different types of things going on. You clearly at one point were probably not doing all of those things and- Or any of those things. Or any of those, right? So because you're creative, like what advice would you give to, to entrepreneurs who are like, I really want to tap into my creativity, but I just don't know if I should or if I have the bandwidth when here you are, and, and you don't even think you do it all the, the best you can, but you're everywhere. Like, what do you say to someone like that? Yeah, a couple of things. Number one, you have the bandwidth. Like, I'm just telling you that you do. The thing is, like, if you, if, you're, if you say that you don't have the bandwidth, then what you're really saying is, I'm not willing to make hard decisions about how I spend my time. Because I guarantee you that you're like sitting in front of the TV for an hour or two. And you know what? If you value that, if that's like a really important part of your life and you can't live without it, then okay, well then, then you're, making, you're making a conscious decision. You're sacrificing some other thing that you could be doing instead of sitting in front of the TV. But if you're looking at yourself and you're saying, well, I am spending all this time doing these things that aren't actually leading to valuable outcomes that I'm proud of and that I want to share with people, well, then get rid of them. Just do it. It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the other thing is uh, I, I always encourage people to think of two, the, in, in front of each of you, in front of you, in front of me, in front of everybody who's listening, you have two sets of opportunities at the same time. Opportunity set A, opportunity set B. Opportunity set A are the opportunities that you're being asked uh, to do, the things that you're being asked of. You know, if you have a job, you show up at the job, there are things that your boss expects you, that's opportunity set A. Opportunity set B is everything that's available to you that nobody's asking you to do. And that is more important. Yeah. It's just it's just more important. I've spent my entire career focused on opportunity set B. So every time that I'm in a job, 
I get to know how to do the job as efficiently as possible. And then I spend all that extra time that I just saved on other things that nobody's asking me to do. Sometimes it's in my job. All right. I mean, yeah. like, you know, we were just talking about keynote speaking. Nobody, I mean, like entrepreneur doesn't care if I do that. I mean, they, they see it as a nice added thing. I'm going out and representing the brand, but like, it's not literally part of my job. Nobody's asking me to do it. It is a complete side project, but I do it because I think that it's valuable for me. It's valuable for entrepreneur. It's valuable for my future. I'm learning all sorts of skills that I didn't have before. It's available to me. Um, learning video, standing in front of a camera, that was available to me. Nobody was asking me to do it. I think that if you focus only on opportunities set A, then the only thing that you'll ever do is be qualified to do the thing you're already doing. And if you focus on opportunities at B, then that's building your future. Okay. That was like unbelievable. So thank you for that. Now, let me, let me tweak what you were just saying about sitting on yeah. the couch and maybe watching TV. You're a father. Yeah. You have two young children. I have yeah. two young children. So sometimes I get sucked into Care Bears or some unbelievably terrible slime YouTube video and my daughter wants me to sit there with her. How do you balance as, as someone, I, and I don't have, I wouldn't say I have as much as you going on, of course, but how do you do that while still being like, I need to make sure I'm creative and I still want to deliver and I have these outcomes? So yeah, you know, I don't have the answer to that. I, a friend, my, my friend Joe Cohane, great writer, interview at the very beginning of all this as we were all getting locked away interviewed this submarine captain about mm -hmm. uh what it's like to be in isolation and how you can manage and this he gave this piece of advice which i think was great advice and i i, I cannot tell you that i'm living up to it but um but i think it's it's worth trying to live up to um and that is give everything a hundred percent or zero percent <laughs> so if you're working give it a hundred percent. If you're with your kids, give it, I mean, I think that the answer is you like, you just do the best you can and you try to prioritize and you try to understand that work needs you and your kids need you. And, um, and you, you owe it to both of them and you figure it out. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm going to give one last question sure. and I haven't asked about, uh, all the people you've interviewed and all, all the amazing work, but here's one thing I do want to ask with all your experience working at a magazine that's obviously about entrepreneurship and all the people you've mm -hmm. met, all the different journeys you've heard and seen, what is something that stands out as a common, maybe a like very, very difficult decision that yields the most payoff that most normal people are not willing to do when oh, it comes yeah, to entrepreneurship? Boy, I mean, that's an easy one because I've seen it enough times. Um, the answer is to make a hard decision before you're forced to make the hard decision. Oof. So most people, we like we default to, to to putting it off until there's a crisis moment, which which in a way then, I think justifies a really hard decision. Like we're taking the easy, uh, weak way out if we see a problem coming and we don't act on it early, and instead we wait until there's a crisis and then and then everybody is screwed. But then at least any hard decision we make is is a reaction that, it, that feels more understandable. The, the, the most impressive thing that I hear any entrepreneur do is see change coming five miles away and then making a very hard decision that is better for the long term. There's a story I like to tell about this guy named Sam Calgione. He's the founder of Dogfish Brewing, which is a great- I love Dogfish. Store. Yeah, they're so good. And when they released a, a beer called 60 Minute IPA, it was a huge hit and very quickly came to consume all sales of Dogfish. Like It was like on track to be 80, 90% of all sales uh, from that brewery. And they make all sorts of other beers. 
And, you know, some people would be very excited about that, but Sam wasn't because he understood that although this was a hit product right now, beer tastes are going to change. And if he allows himself to be defined by one beer, by an IPA, then as soon as tastes change, he is going to be a dinosaur. Right? He's no longer going to be seen as a multifaceted, innovative brewery. So what did he do? Well, he limited sales of that beer to 50% of all sales. Right, So like it was going to be 70 to 80%. He limited it to 50, which meant that he had bars, restaurants, you know, beer and wine shops, Amtrak calling him asking for this beer, and he had to say no. And they were getting upset, very upset, angry. And they come in four packs. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he, he said no. And then – and um, I said, listen, we're, you know, they gave him an excuse. We're, we, we pride ourselves on fresh beer and um, uh, we make it as fast as we can sell it. But uh, we have all these other beers and we'd love you to try some of those. And though that was pain and that was turning down a lot of sales, what it ultimately did is enabled him to build the kind of long-term business that he wanted to, which was yeah. a thriving, innovative brewery that I think it was last year sold for $300 million. He would not have done that if he had tried to cash out early on that hit product. So that's, you know, you see that all the time. And, um, uh, and then you see, you see what happens when people don't do that. Like that's the yeah. story of, that's the story of Blockbuster. That's yeah. the story of Kodak. The yeah. Companies that saw the change coming and literally just couldn't react to it. So uh, that's, you know, that's what I see. And this is really, this is a short one and, and we'll end here, but you've been able to interview some of the most amazing people on the planet who have you not yet interviewed, but you will make happen. Uh, you know, it's so funny. I get that question and I honestly don't have an answer to it because I am not all that interested in individuals. Like yeah. I'm just, you know, like I'm not, um, yeah. I don't really care about celebrities. I've interviewed a lot of them, but I don't really care about them. I don't really care about big names. Again, I've interviewed a lot of them because to me, I'm really interested in ideas. Yeah. And, uh, and so like I get, you know, I get more excited uh, hearing, like, you know, when I'm talking to a, a, like a random business person like, like Sam from Dogfish and I hear that story and I'm like, that is a principle of business that I love and that I'll repeat. And, you know, then I could, I could talk to the most famous person. Uh, I mean, I, you know, and I've had, I've had wonderful, very interesting conversations with very famous people uh, from Richard Branson to, to Mark Wahlberg. But you know, sometimes even though it's a great conversation, they don't tell me that random story yeah. like the dogfish thing. And like, those are the things that stay with me. So um, I don't have somebody. I honestly that's don't. Awesome. I just like talking to people. You have curiosity is what it is. And that's, that's awesome. That's a great driver. So, well, yeah. thank you so much for your time. I will make sure one day somehow I plant myself in New York City when this is all over and I'm going to make some video content with you so we don't have to deal with this microphone <laughs> nonsense. Good. But thank you for all that you do. And thank you for making the time, uh, especially during this. And I hope you have a good rest of the day. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. You too. Bye. All right, there you go. Thank you so much for listening. Short, sweet, to the point. Uh, I would love, absolutely love, if you considered reviewing this podcast. If it's one star, awesome. If it's five stars, thank you so much. Uh, I would really appreciate that. Share it with your friends. Spread it around. Uh, I've had some phenomenal guests on here, and it's time for me to make a push about uh, the great content that lies in between these recordings, and I'd really appreciate your help if you were able to do so. Thank you. Tune in next week.